Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. If the evidence is so good for Christianity, as many of us have said, then why don't more people follow Christ? Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's only really three reasons why people don't follow Christ. In fact, there's only three reasons why people really do anything. And in fact, the three reasons are, number one, you have a mind problem. Number two, you have an emotion problem. Or number three, you have a will problem. The first, the mind It could be a knowledge issue. Maybe they simply don't know the evidence, and if someone were to give them the evidence, they would go from belief that to belief in. A lot of times, that could be the problem. Sometimes young people walk away from the faith. They're talked out of the faith because they've never been talked into it. They've never been given the evidence that Christianity is true, and so they hear a few counterarguments that seem like they're against Christianity, and they bolt. They don't have the knowledge to hold up underneath or hold up against uh, someone who claims that Christianity's false. They can't correct that. They don't have the capacity to. So it could be an intellectual issue, a mind issue. The second problem is an emotional issue. Maybe they have an emotional reaction against something or someone associated with Christianity. They don't want, in that sense to have anything to do with Christianity because they're emotionally set against it. Christianity could be true, but that doesn't matter to them because emotionally they couldn't stomach Christianity for whatever reason. Maybe their parents were Christians and their parents treated them poorly or a friend was a Christian and a a friend treated them poorly or uh, they have some sort of emotional objection to God for whatever reason. There could be a thousand emotional reasons that someone stays away from Christ. And then the third problem, which may be the most difficult to deal with, is the will problem. They don't want Christianity to be true because it interferes with something they want to do. And there are three categories of things that people want to do that might keep them away from Christ. And these are the three things that can get us all into trouble, even as Christians. We've talked about them many times on this program, sex, money, and power. Those are categories, and there are other things that may fall under those three categories. But it's a sex or a relationship issue, a money issue, or a power or autonomy issue, a pride issue. So you've got three things, three, for lack of a better term, three reasons people are not Christians. Intellect, emotion, or will. And then under will, there are generally three things that cause people to turn away from Christianity because they think Christianity is going to prevent them from having either sex, money, or power, or sex, money, or autonomy. Now, these three factors, mind, emotion, and will, are at play in every area of life. In fact, let's take the current political situation regarding the, uh, the Mueller investigation, which have just, of course, have exploded in the past week. This investigation has finally been completed. The results are out. Everyone knows what the results are. 
It was the alleged collusion of Donald Trump with the Russian government to cheat and steal the 2016 election. Now, there's been a lot of information uh, that uh, was investigated in order to d- discover whether or not the the charge of collusion was true. There were 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, more than 230 orders for communication records. There were 13 requests to foreign governments for evidence, and about 500 witnesses were interviewed. And the unequivocal conclusion of this two-and-a-half-year investigation or two-year investigation was that, no, there was no collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. Now, what motivations do people have when they come to a conclusion on that question? Now that the report is out, there are still some people who seem to say that Trump colluded with the Russians. Now, we're going to bring this back to Christianity a little bit later, but I want to use this kind of as a, uh, an example or a, an example everyone would know to illustrate these points, that mind, emotion, and will are the three things that cause us to do anything. We have an intellectual reason, an emotional reason, or a volitional reason. And yet, those three things come into factor here as people react to this Mueller investigation. What motivations do people have when they come to a conclusion on that question, a conclusion that seems completely opposite the facts? It seems to me that some people are engaged in collusion against the truth. And let me go to a column written by a Washington Post reporter and a Fox News reporter. He writes for both. So he kind of writes for the liberals and also the conservatives at the same time. His name is Mark Thiessen. And uh, he's at the American Enterprise Institute. He served as a speechwriter for uh, W. W. Bush and Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld. And he starts his column, which was published this past Wednesday, the 27th, this way. He says, ask yourself this simple question. When you heard the news that the special counsel Robert Mueller concluded that President Trump had not engaged in a criminal conspiracy with Russia, were you relieved or disappointed? Be honest. If the answer is that you were disappointed, then it's time for a little introspection. Every American should be thankful that, as Attorney General William Barr explained in his letter to Congress, quote, the special counsel did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with the Russian government, despite multiple offers from Russian-affiliated individuals to assist the Trump campaign, unquote. And Thiessen goes on to say, now, by the way, let me, let me say this again. This, this, this is not about whether Trump is guilty or innocent. I'm not, this, this radio program, this podcast isn't about that, although I will mention that. It's about the bigger issue as to why people believe certain things. But let me continue with Thiessen's uh, column here. He says, it would have been devastating for our country if the president of the United States had engaged in a criminal conspiracy with a foreign power to undermine our democracy. Mueller's finding that he, that he didn't should be cause for celebration by Trump supporters and opponents alike. You don't have to believe Trump is a good president to know that it is good that the president did not betray the country. But the sad sad truth is that many Democratic presidential wannabes were hoping Mueller would find evidence the president had conspired with Russia. Some were almost salivating in anticipation of the Mueller report. 
In February, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, the Democrat from Massachusetts, the senator is trying to run for president, crowed, quote, by the time we get to 2020, Donald Trump might not even be president. In fact, he might not even be a free person, unquote. Last month, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, the Democrat from New York, tweeted, quote, A campaign for president of the United States should never be in the business of scheming with foreign adversaries to tamper with our elections, unquote. Now, Beto O'Rourke, who, by the way, is not Hispanic, for some reason people are trying to say he's, he's, he's Irish. O'Rourke, you get it? Assured us, uh, quote, this is after the, the summary of the report came out. You have a president who, in my opinion, beyond a shadow of a doubt, sought to, however ham-handedly, collude with the Russian government, a foreign power, to undermine and influence our elections. Okay. Now, why would these three people be coming to the opposite conclusion that 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, 230 orders for communication records, 13 requests to foreign governments, and 500 witnesses couldn't find or couldn't agree with what these people are saying. Why would they come to the opposite conclusion of the report? Which everybody on both sides of the aisle were, were trying to say, at least most of the time, we're trying to say, okay, Mueller's an honest guy, he's going to get to the truth. Then the truth comes out, and these people don't want it to be true. And they're trying to claim it's not true. What could possibly be motivating these people to come to an opposite conclusion of what appears to be an obvious fact? We'll get to it right after the break. You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Our website, crossexamine.org. That's Cross-Examine with a D on the end of it, .org. We're back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. Thank you for listening to the Cross-Examine podcast. This material is made available to you for free by the contributions of listeners like you. If you wish to support future podcasts, just go to crossexamine.org and click on the donate button or simply use the donate feature directly on our app. Thanks. Why do people insist that a particular conclusion is true when the vast majority of the evidence says it's not true? That's the question we're investigating today. Why do people do that? And we're talking about it in the context of Christianity and the context of the Mueller investigation because you still have people, particularly politicians, but not just politicians, I'll get to in a minute, politicians trying to say, no, there was still collusion. In fact, uh, the politicians have been saying it, and so has the news media still. Chris Cuomo over there at CNN, who happens to be the uh, he happens to be the brother of Mario Cuomo, the governor of New York, who just a couple of months ago made it completely legal to kill a nine month old uh, baby uh, who just has just come out of the the birth canal. There, um, Chris says that there still was collusion. Now, Chris Cuomo, by the way, a couple of years ago, I saw him on uh, CNN. And uh, he tried to say that our rights don't come from God, our rights come from government. Now think about this, ladies and gentlemen. If our rights come from government, then how can collusion be wrong? Because if our government colludes, then concludes with another government, how can you say that's wrong? I mean, if rights come from government, then there are no rights, actually. There is no justice. Because if you get a new government in, 
Does the new government get to change the rules and change your rights? I mean, if Donald Trump is a big part of our government, and he is, and if Donald Trump gives you your rights, then how can you claim he's been unjust for violating any rights? How can he be unjust doing anything unless there's a standard beyond him and beyond our government? Chris Cuomo. I mean, think this through, will you? If there is no standard beyond our government, then you can't say Donald Trump was wrong if he did collude with the Russians. Because it's just our government colluding with another government. If government is the standard of righteousness, then Donald Trump wasn't wrong. If government is the standard of righteousness, we couldn't say we were right and the Nazis were wrong. I, I, I don't understand how people don't think this through. Well, maybe we should just blame it on our public school system. And who can you blame that on? The Christians. Why? Because we got out of education back in the 1920s when we went fundamentalist and we decided to circle the wagons and leave education and leave law and leave politics and leave all aspects of society other than just preaching and missionary work to the secularists. That's why our government is so godless Because the godly people decided to leave it to the godless, the people who don't believe in God. Anyway, I'm preaching now, sorry. So anyway, these people are trying to say there was no collusion. But as Mark Thiessen, again, this columnist that I'm reading from, says, after Beto O'Rourke tried to say that, that Trump colluded with the Russian government. Here's what Thiessen says. No, he didn't. As Attorney General Barr notes, the special counsel, quote, issued more than 2,800 subpoenas, executed nearly 500 search warrants, obtained more than 230 orders for communication records, issued almost 50 orders authorizing use of pen registers, whatever that is, made 13 requests to foreign governments for evidence, and interviewed approximately 500 eyewitnesses, unquote. Mueller found no evidence of conspiracy or even coordination with Russia. Thank God. This is Thiessen. Okay, unquote. Now, back to me. Question. Why won't these Democrat politicians accept the obvious and confirmed truth that Donald Trump did not conclude with the Russian government to steal the election? Is it a mind problem, a knowledge problem? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's a mind problem. Let me say it again, 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, 230 orders for communications, 500 witnesses. Not a mind problem, not a knowledge problem. The guy spent two years investigating this, spent $30 million. Has there ever been a more thorough investigation? I don't think so. He didn't even have any oversight. I mean, (laughs) he could do whatever he wanted to do. And I'm sure he would have loved to have made a name for himself in the eyes of the left. But he couldn't do it. Why? Because there was no evidence there. So it's not a mind problem. Is it an emotional problem? Remember, we, we're talking about the three reasons why people accept conclusions that are obviously false. Mind problem, knowledge problem? No. Emotion problem could be. I get it why people emotionally dislike Trump. Hey, a lot of the times I don't like Trump. In fact, I, I say this. You know, Generally, I think he's got good policies. But, but Trump gets a D for demeanor and maybe an A for policy. Or an A minus for policy. I mean, his demeanor is childish quite a bit. It's offensive. Now, on one hand, since I'm from New Jersey, I like the bluntness. But you don't have to be a jerk being blunt. You can just be blunt, say it like it is, and not, and not call people names or 
or not act like you're three years old, okay? You can do that, right? I mean, I like the result. I don't always like the way he gets to the result. So I get it. I understand why people don't like Donald Trump. But that's no reason to insist that facts uh, are, are not so. Donald Trump is not guilty of colluding with the Russian government. You might not like him, but you shouldn't say that he is guilty of colluding with the Russian government because he didn't. Now, the third issue after mind emotion is the will. Is it a will problem? Hmm. And usually will is tied to sex, money, or power. That if they admit the facts, there's going to be a sexual problem or a relationship problem, a money, financial problem, or a power problem for them. Ah, we may have uncovered the issue here. Now, obviously, I can't read these people's hearts, but isn't it convenient that all of the, or many of the, I haven't heard all of them yet, but many of the people allegedly running for the Democrat nomination for president all suddenly don't want to accept the Mueller report? Could it be because if the Mueller report is true, then they might not get the power they want because they don't have anything to hold against Donald Trump in the election, the, the, the upcoming election. And if they don't get power then that's not good for them. And by the way, it seems to me that that the Democrats are holding two contradictory beliefs about Donald Trump. On one hand, they claim that Donald Trump is inept. But on the other hand, at the same time, they're saying he's an evil genius who colluded with the Russian government to get himself elected. And he did this, by the way, while losing the popular vote. And he was able to do this, by the way, without leaving any evidence behind. Because more than 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, 230 orders for communication records, 13 requests to foreign governments, and 500 eyewitnesses who were interviewed, none of that could uncover the evidence. So how can you hold these two opinions about the same human being? Look, he might be inept, or he might be an evil genius, but he certainly can't be both. Yet you're claiming he's both. So look, it's one or the other, or it's neither. But he's not both. He's not inept, and he's not an evil genius at the same time. Now, back to Thiessen's column here, Mark Thiessen. He says this. It is understandable that Trump believes the Mueller investigation should never have happened, but the probe may end up being the best thing that ever happened to Donald Trump. If even career prosecutors in his own Justice Department had cleared Trump of conspiracy charges— Democrats would never have accepted their conclusions. But after embracing Mueller, even launching a campaign to pass legislation protecting him from being fired by Trump, Democrats now look ridiculous if they refuse to accept his determination that there was no Trump-Russia conspiracy. Moreover, keep in mind that Mueller was not simply investigating Trump. He was also investigating the Russian government. He exonerated Trump, but not Vladimir Putin. Mueller indicted 13 Russian nationals and three Russian companies of charges of conspiracy and identity theft. There was a conspiracy to influence the 2016 elections. Trump just wasn't part of it. With the conclusion fallacy behind us, Democrats and Republicans should be working together to address that ongoing threat. As the U.S. intelligence community declared in January 2017 report, a January 2017 report, quote, we assess Moscow will apply lessons learned from its campaign aimed at the U.S. presidential election to future influence efforts in the United States, unquote. 
But instead of focusing on countering the efforts, Democrats seem to want to continue spending their time on Trump. On Sunday, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, a Democrat from California, stood by his claim that there was, quote, significant evidence of collusion. And he said he plans more hearings. Okay, time out. (laughs) This is back to me now. This is not decent anymore. You're going to do more hearings after those 2,800 subpoenas? Uh, You're going to do more hearings after 500 search warrants? You're going to do more hearings after more than 500 eyewitnesses? And 230 orders for communication records? Really? Really? An independent counsel came up with nothing? And you're going to keep going? This is not a mind issue. It's got to be an emotional or a will issue. That's what's going on here, friends. Thiessen goes on to say, those who continue to push the false collusion narrative are the ones inadvertently assisting Russia. The intelligence community reported that Russia's objectives in 2016, including undermining, quote, public faith in the U.S. democratic process, faith in the U.S. government, and fueling political protest, unquote. In this sense, it worked like a charm. Instead of helping Russia further divide us, we should be uniting to push back against Moscow's continued efforts to interfere with our democratic process as the 2020 elections approach. For the past two years, the Mueller probe has hung like a cloud over Trump's presidency. Instead of the presumption of innocence, Democrats and the media, I added that, are many, oh, I didn't have to add it, he has it there, I'm sorry, he says Democrats and many in the media have presumed his guilt. Trump said over 200 times that there was no collusion. He was mocked, but it turns out he was right the whole time. And if you don't think that's good news, you are part of the problem. All right, that's Mark Thiessen's column this past Wednesday, March 27th. It was posted on Fox News. Uh, He's also a writer for the Washington Post. Don't know if it appeared there. But again, friends, this is not an intellectual problem. It's not a mind problem. It's an emotional or a will problem. And by the way, influencing elections is something many governments do. In fact, our governments do it, or our government does it. The Washington Times reported in 2016 that the Obama administration sent taxpayer money over to Israel to oust Netanyahu. You can read the analysis for yourself. It was July 12, 2016. And none other than the New York Times in February of 2018 had an article that said this. This was the headline. Russia isn't the only one meddling in elections. We do it, too. Yeah, well, it makes sense. We want people friendly to democracy and friendly to us to get into power. We don't want more Saddam Husseins or more Kim Jong-uns to get into power. That makes sense. Can you blame the Russians for trying to get a government in here that might be more friendly to them than another government? Anyway, I'm Frank Turek. We're back in just two minutes. We'll bring this back around to Christianity in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. We're back in two. College campuses are hostile to the Christian faith, and three out of four young people walk away from the church once they go to college. That's why we go to college campuses and present I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist in the United States and even all over the world. When we do this, we don't charge students a dime. That's why we need your financial support. In fact, over the past couple of years, we've been able to grow dramatically because of your generous support. And 100% of your donations 
go to ministry. Zero percent go to building. So when you give to Cross Examined, you'll be giving to help us go reach young people where they are. Would you consider giving today? Thank you so much, and thank you so much for what you've done already. Why do people believe things that are obviously false? That's the question we're evaluating today. And we're using the In the News event, the Mueller investigation, to illustrate that people believe a lot of false things, not just when it comes to religion, but also when it comes to politics or just about anything in life. And why is that? Well, it's not just an intellectual problem. It's not a knowledge problem. Quite frequently, it's an emotion or will problem. Mind, emotion, and will. That's what makes us human beings. That's what makes us unique, by the way. That we have an intellect, we can reason, we have emotion, we feel things, we have desires, we want things. We have these in a capacity that no other living thing has that we know of. No other biological life has a mind like we have it. So, mind, emotion, and will. By the way, we're made in the image of God. God has mind, emotion, and will. God is personal, but we are a person. God is not a person. God is personal, but he's not a person. We are persons, and we're made in his image, mind, emotion, and will. And so we have several reasons for doing things. Several factors go involved, or several factors are involved in us making a decision. We have intellectual reasons. We have emotional reasons. We have volitional reasons. And we're using the Mueller investigation here to illustrate quite clearly, I think, that a lot of people have emotional or volitional reasons for trying to maintain that Donald Trump somehow colluded with the Russian government to somehow steal the 2016 election. Now, that just makes no sense, given what we've talked about in the previous two segments Given the Mueller investigation, the vast scope that this investigation took, makes no sense to continue to think that. But people still do. Why? Because they want power. Or they emotionally dislike Trump. Or maybe there's other reasons that we don't know, but those are two of the big ones. Let me go back to this uh, New York Times piece from February 17th, 2018. And by the way, every day I read the New York Times and the Bible just to see what both sides are doing. That's what Cal Thomas said. And even the New York Times admits that we as a government interfere in the sense that we try and influence elections. Um, Locke K. Johnson, the article says, the dean of American intelligence scholars who began his career in the 1970s investigating the CIA as a staff member of Senate's, uh, the Senate's Church Committee, says Russia's 2016 operation was simply the cyber age version of standard United States practice for decades whenever American officials were worried about a foreign vote. Here's his quote. He says, we've been doing this kind of thing since the CIA was created in 1947. We've used posters, pamphlets, mailers, banners, you name it. We've planted false information in foreign newspapers. We've used what the British call King George's Calvary, suitcases of cash, unquote. 
The article goes on to say the United States' departure from democratic ideals sometimes went much further. The CIA, the CIA helped overthrow elected leaders in Iran and Guatemala in the 1950s and backed violent coups in several other countries in the 1960s. It plotted assassinations and supported brutal communist governments in Latin America, Africa, and Asia. I'm not saying any of this is, is uh, moral, ladies and gentlemen. I'm simply pointing out that when we're outraged that, that our government is involved in trying to influence elections or governments elsewhere, we shouldn't be shocked when other governments are trying to do the same to our elections. The article goes on to say this, but in recent decades, both Mr. Hall and Mr. Johnson argued Russian and American interferences in elections have not been morally equivalent. American interventions have generally been aimed at helping non-authoritarian candidates challenge dictators or otherwise promoting democracy. Russia has more often intervened to disrupt democracy or or promote authoritarian rule, they said. Equating the two, Mr. Hall says, is, quote, like saying cops and bad guys are the same because they both have guns. The motivation matters, unquote. In fact, a Carnegie Mellican scholar, easy for me to say, a Carnegie Mellon scholar, uh, Dov H. Levine, has secured the historical record for both overt and covert election influence operations. He found 81 by the United States and 36 by the Soviet Union or Russia between 1946 and 2000, though the Russian count is undoubtedly incomplete. So this happens all the time. In fact, the article ends this way. The technology may change, but the objectives don't. We tried to influence, when Obama was president, we tried to influence the Israeli election. And we didn't think that was immoral, did we? But when the Russians try and, through social media, convince Americans to vote a certain way, um, somehow that's immoral? Well, I'll let you be the, 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 the judge of that. But what really is the issue here is that the evidence clearly shows that pres- the president did not collude with the Russian government or anyone else from Russia to steal any election. And yet there are people out there saying I don't care what the Mueller report says. He did. Sometimes the facts are just pushed aside for other reasons. And ladies and gentlemen, the same thing is true. Oh, before I get to this, I got to say this. The people on the media, um, CNN, MSNBC, these people who have been pushing this for the past two years, some of them have been very vociferous. Some of them, like John Brennan, who used to be the CIA director, I mean, he was saying, we've got evidence that that Trump did this. Now what is he saying? Oh, I must have been given bad information. Well, Mr. Brennan, first of all, you're the head of the CIA. You should know what good information and bad information is. But secondly, if, if someone gave you bad information, you would be absolutely outraged if that were the case. And you would be calling that person out. You'd be apologizing all over the place, saying, gee, I got bad information. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm... You know, I should have known better or this person who who uh, who gave me this information. I'm going to out this person because that person's not a reliable source. Or I should have had many more sources. But no, they're not saying any of that. They're just saying oh, I had bad information and then they're just moving on. I mean, if somebody had done that to me, I would be calling the person out. I would be outraged. But no, 
He's just saying I got bad information. It seems to me the real issue is, is he wanted Trump to be taken down. And it had nothing to do with the facts. It had to do with the fact that he didn't like Trump or he had a different political viewpoint than Trump and he wanted Trump to come down because he's certainly not acting like somebody who was fed bad information. and He was just an honest broker who inadvertently picked the wrong information. Now, could I be wrong about that? Of course, I don't have all the information. I'm just saying his reaction does not appear to be the kind of reaction one would expect if he was given bad information but by, by someone he thought was reliable. He would be apologizing, and he would be outing the person, but he's not. Now, let's bring this back to Christianity. The question I always ask people, as you know, is if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? And a lot of people will say no, because it's not an intellectual issue. It's not a mind problem. Remember, we got three issues here. We got mind, emotion, and will. And when they say no, they're admitting it's not a mind problem. Because if the evidence were there, if it was just a matter of evidence, and that's all they needed, then bam, they'd be believers. But they're not. It's an emotion or a will problem. They have some aversion, emotional aversion to Christianity or someone who's a Christian. Or they just don't want it to be true because they think Christianity is going to get in the way of what they want to do. Much like these Democrat presidential politicians, presidential candidate politicians, don't want Trump to be cleared of these charges because then that probably means that they're not going to get the power they want. They can't run against Trump on this. There's a reason that people don't want it to be true. And by the way, let me quote the atheist Richard Feynman, a famous physicist who said this, the easiest person to fool is yourself. And he's probably right about that. When you want something so badly, you might have confirmation bias. You might avoid counter evidence and ignore counter evidence to get that thing that you want. And by the way, some people will admit this. Some people will admit that the reason that they're not Christians are because they don't want to be Christians because they want something else more. By the way, that's called idolatry. You want something else more than God. So you ask the question, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? And if they say no, it's probably a sex, money, or power issue. Could be an emotional issue, but it's usually a sex, money, or power issue. And when I say power, that means autonomy. It could mean autonomy. They want power over their own lives. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. Thomas Nagel, a pretty honest philosopher, atheist from New York University, wrote a book a number of years ago. And he said in this book, he said, I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be that way. He went on to say, I have a cosmic authority problem. And he went on also to say that he thought that people like Christopher Hitchens, who was alive at the time when he wrote this, and Richard Dawkins have the same cosmic authority problem he does. That he doesn't want there to be a God, because that would mean that somebody else would be in charge other than him over his own life. Aldous Huxley, the famous atheist, wrote this. He said, I had motives for wanting the world to have uh, no meaning. For myself, as no doubt most of my friends, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation from a certain system of morality. 
We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. We were justifying ourselves in our erotic revolt, unquote. He wrote that in the book Ends and Means, erotic revolt. Yeah, I just spoke this week to about 600 high school kids in Raleigh, North Carolina. And as I sometimes do, I point out that when they go to college, the college campus, three out of four of them are going to walk away from the faith because one reason is they've never been told why it's true, but sometimes they walk away because the issue is they don't want it to be true. They don't want God looking over their shoulder, so to speak. They don't want somebody to get in the way of what they want to do. They want to have autonomy over their own lives. And I, I, I said to this group, I said, the elephant in the room on a college campus is not evidence. Most people don't care about the evidence. The elephant in the room on a college campus is morality and accountability. And if you want to know the real reason or the real issue, if you drill down a little further into morality and accountability, the elephant in the room is really sex. People don't want anyone telling them what they can and can't do sexually. And God seems to have these rules that get in our way. And some people finally will admit it. Atheists are admitting it. I'm not saying this is true of all atheists, but certainly some. All right, I'm Frank Turk. We're back in just two minutes with more. Don't go away. If you find value in the content of this podcast, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find more. Just type cross-examine or Frank Turek on the search bar. Also, visit our website where we add new videos, articles, and free resources daily. Why do people believe things that are quite obviously false? That's what we're talking about today. And by the way, before I forget... Tomorrow, Sunday, I was supposed to speak at Cottonwood Creek Baptist Church in Allen, Texas, but that's been postponed. Why? Because just this week, the church was hit by a hailstorm that apparently there were there was baseball-sized hail hitting the church, and so they got some damage there. They're trying to work through, and so we're not going to be able to do the service this weekend. No, we'll come back another time. So maybe that's a sign from heaven that I shouldn't be preaching there. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, pray for that church. It's a great church. They've just got some damage they got to take care of. So I won't be there. At in, I'm, I'm in Dallas. I've been in Dallas this week, but I'm, I'm not, not going to be able to speak tomorrow there at the, uh, at the service. We'll have to come back another time. But I do want to say that next week, uh, next week in Canada is where I'll be. Uh, let's see. Where am I going to be in Canada next week? I'm at Saturday, April 6th. I'll be at Apologetics Canada Conference in Barrie, Ontario. Barrie, Ontario. And then on Sunday, April 7th, I'll speak at Emmanuel Baptist Church, also in Barrie, Ontario. So hopefully, if you're anywhere near Toronto, it's up apparently within 90 minutes of Toronto. So up in Canada. Oh, Canada. That's where I'll be next week, Lord willing. I don't want to be, as James says, we just, James says, oh, you're just going to say you're going to go here and go there. And who knows, your life may be asked of you tonight, right? Yeah, that's true. But that's the plan anyway. Going to be up there in Canada. So check that out if you're anywhere up there. Uh, And by the way, I've had some very nice, uh, by the way, by the way, I keep saying that. I got to stop saying by the way, by the way. Anyway, um, I keep changing subjects that way. You guys got to send me a new transition phrase, okay? And uh, 
if you would continue to put, I didn't use a transition phrase there, by the way, <laughs> if you would put a positive review up on our official podcast page on iTunes. Thank you so much for those that have done that. It's actually helping move the podcast up the rankings. How this works, I don't know. But our international and uh, executive director, Jorge Gill, he knows how it works. So he says the more positive reviews up there on the official face, the official Facebook, the official podcast site on iTunes, the one with my picture on it, will help move that up. So continue to do that. Share it with other folks if you would, and that would be very helpful. Okay, before the break, we were talking about the fact that uh, that people believe things that are clearly that have clearly been disproven. And we were using the Mueller investigation to point out that some Democrats and some in the media are still saying, no, he colluded, even though all the evidence shows he did not. So what does this mean? What does it mean to Christianity? Well, I mentioned Thomas Nagel. I mentioned Aldous Huxley. How about our friend Christopher Hitchens, who, as you know, died back in 2011, but I had a couple of debates with him, as you know. And uh, he, in one of the debates, said, God is a cosmic North Korean dictator peering in on our sex lives. And he, he described, by the way, that's great imagery if you're an atheist. But what, what he was objecting to was not... Um, or what, what he was saying was not, I, I, I just don't believe there's a God. He was basically saying, I don't want there to be a God. He, in fact, he called himself an anti-theist, as Lawrence Krauss calls himself an anti-theist. In fact, Lawrence Krauss says, we celebrate there's no God. Okay, now, why would you celebrate there's no God? Without God, there's no meaning. There's certainly no afterlife. There's no right and wrong. There's, there's nothing. It's, it, life's absurd, ultimately. Why would you celebrate that? But they will admit they're not just atheists. They're anti-theists. They don't want there to be a God. This is why I ask all audiences when I get a chance this question. And in fact, let me ask you as you're listening right now, if you're a Christian, I want you to think of somebody you know who's not a Christian, a friend, relative, whoever it is. You got somebody? Okay, here's my question. Is the person you're thinking of on a relentless pursuit of truth, in other words, they want to know if Christianity is true. Or are they apathetic or maybe even hostile to Christianity? What do you say? Yeah. Yeah, they're apathetic or hostile. They're not on a relentless pursuit of truth. When I ask that of audiences, it's either 100 to 0, apathetic or hostile, or 99 to 1. Somebody's really looking for the truth. Most people are not looking for the truth. Most people are not looking for Christianity to be true or any belief system that they might find inconvenient to be true, you might as well say a, a criminal is looking for a cop. They're not. They're trying to stay away from that because they don't want it to be true. They want to go their own way. And they have to come up with these crazy explanations for why the universe is and why reality is the way it is rather than just saying, you know, it's possible God exists. I mean, they have to believe, if you're an atheist, because the evidence shows that the universe had a beginning, even the atheists are admitting that, they have to believe that the universe created itself out of nothing by nothing. Now, that's a miracle, but there's no miracle worker. Do you realize everyone believes in miracles? Atheists believe in miracles. They at least believe that there was a miracle with the creation of the universe out of nothing. They just don't have a miracle worker to do it. 
That takes more faith than just believing there is a God, an uncaused first cause, who created the universe. We know the universe is not the uncaused first cause, so there must be something that transcends the uncaused first cause. A spaceless, timeless, immaterial being. Both Christian and atheist believe in a miracle. It's just that the Christian has someone to do the miracle. The atheist doesn't. The atheist has to believe that precisely, the precisely fine-tuned universe happened by chance. And of course, chance is not a cause. Chance is a word we use to describe mathematical possibilities. And they come up with this speculation known as the multiverse, which in the end doesn't help them. First of all, it's a faith position. You can't observe these other universes. We don't even know if they exist. Secondly, all the universes together would need a beginning, as even Alexander Vilenkin, one of the proponents of the multiverse, admits. Well, it seems to me, then, if you, if, if you don't get rid of the, the need for an absolute beginning, beginning, you don't get rid of the need for an absolute beginner. Why would you multiply all those causes anyway? Why would you say that, well, there's trillions of universes out there, and ours just appears to be the one that's designed, even though it really isn't? First of all, that would explain very little of reality anyway. Okay, you got a universe, but you got all these other things you got to explain, like life and consciousness and moral values and the laws of logic and all these things. So even if you had a universe, you still have to explain all these other immaterial realities, information that you find in life. Why, why would you even, – even, even if the multiverse was true, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't explain all of reality. This is why even Paul Davies, an agnostic astronomer, says that the multiverse is, a, is, is something that is invented because there's no other way to try and come up with an explanation for the fine-tuning of the universe. He, says, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, nobody would be considering multi-universes if the universe didn't appear so fine-tuned, so designed. Who would have thought of this? Nobody. It's an ad hoc explanation to avoid the obvious. They have to think that life came from non-life without intelligence. That's why even people like Richard Dawkins and others have at some point suggested aliens may have brought life here. Aliens! Now, of course, that just puts the problem off one more step. If, if aliens are bringing life here, who created the aliens? Because an alien is a created being. God is not a created being. God is an uncreated being. And if space, matter, and time had a beginning, then if God created it, He's timeless because he created time, so he doesn't have a beginning. But an alien did have a beginning. An alien would need a cause. But why would you suggest aliens? It's a stretch, at, at the very least. We, we don't have any evidence of aliens. But you're using aliens to potentially be a substitute for God, but it just puts the problem off one more step. Of course, the DNA program, they believe without a programmer. They believe complex new life forms came by an unintelligent process. Look, we can't even do with all our intelligence what the atheists are saying an unintelligent process can do. We, breeders can't even do what they're telling us that an unintelligent process can do. With existing life, we can only go so far breeding, say, dogs. We can't break the genus of dogs. There's a genetic limit there. Yet atheists are trying to say that a non-intelligent process... Driven by natural laws, which, by the way, they can't explain where the natural laws came from. Driven by natural laws do all this. That takes more faith than believing there was intelligence put in. 
They believe that rationality came from irrationality, that consciousness is an illusion, that we might even be in the matrix. Ladies and gentlemen, why do people believe this stuff? Why do they even suggest it? Why are they so averse, so allergic to even suggesting that maybe the best explanation is there's a spaceless, timeless, immaterial being that created and sustains all things, i.e. God? I think it's not an intellectual problem. Remember our three problems, mind, emotion, and will? It's not the mind. There's emotional and volitional things going on here. As Thomas Nagel has suggested, as Aldous Huxley has suggested, as Christopher Hitchens has suggested, or stronger than that, they've admitted this. Now, might Christians just believe something without intellectual reasons? Oh, yeah, we might be doing the same thing, so we got to check ourselves, as Richard Feynman says. The easiest person to fool is yourself. But it really seems like this happens a lot on the atheistic side. And that's why the book Stealing from God goes into the fact that when atheists are trying to argue there is no God, they're actually stealing aspects of reality that would only exist if God existed. They have to sit in God's lap to slap his face. So even if any of these alleged explanations are true for why things are the way they are, they don't, they don't have the explanatory power and scope to cover all of reality. God does. And there's so many effects that point back to a spaceless, timeless, immaterial reality that God seems to be the best explanation. Now, only if you reject God rather than just disbelieve God would you say there is no God because you have other reasons. Not just the intellect, you have emotional or volitional reasons to reject. All right, friends, great being with you again. I'm Frank Turek. I'll be in Canada next week. Check our website, crossexamine.org. And we have a new online course coming out coming out in May about the essentials of Christianity. I'll be teaching it. Go to crossexamine.org. Click on online courses. See you next time. We hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. If you think our podcast needs to reach more people, here's what you can do to help. Go to iTunes and type cross-examined official podcast, four words in the search bar, and leave us a five-star rating. It'll take you less than five seconds. And if you have a few more seconds to spare, leave us a positive review. The best reviews will be featured on future episodes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. God bless. God bless.